Sportsnet 960 The Fan. But first, we're going to talk a whole lot of flames here on the Eric Francis Show. And we're going to do so with our good friend, uh, my colleague from the uh, broadcasts on Sportsnet, Ryan Leslie. Ryan, my man, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, he's not there yet. All right. Ryan Leslie will be joining us momentarily. And uh, among the many things I want to talk to him about <coughs> is the play of Rasmus Anderson. I'm just writing a column on this today, too. And uh, Rasmus Anderson, the play that he made on the goal, the game-winning goal the other night against Carolina uh, in overtime, that was, I, I don't know if it was symbolic, but to me... The big question this team, one of the big questions it has, and Daryl Sutter asked this when I talked to him in the summer, he said every team that wins the Stanley Cup has that one stud defenseman, that one guy who can, you know, just play half the game, who can play in all situations, carry a team on his back sometimes. Um, and you look at the list of the last 20 Stanley Cup winners, there's only two teams that didn't have that guy. Carolina didn't really have that guy when they won in 05 and uh, 05, 06. And uh, and in Tampa, when they beat the Flames, I don't know if you consider Dan Boyle that guy. He had some pretty good seasons, but otherwise the list, McCarr, Hedman, Petrangelo, Carlson, Latang, Keith, Doughty, Chara, Lidstrom, Pronger, Niedermeyer, Bork, Blake. Like, every team's got that guy. And the question is, does Calgary have that guy? Or do they have to go out and get that guy? Or is that guy here and he's just emerging? And what I saw from Rasmus Anderson carrying that puck, beating two defensemen wide, bullying past the second one setting up to Foley for the game winner in overtime to me that that to me was a uh, an example of a guy who could be that guy i'm not saying he's in that company i mean you're never going to be in that company until you do win a cup but i thought that was a pretty encouraging sign if you're a calgary flames fan so want to ask him about that we still don't have ryan on the line Okay, we're still endeavoring to get Ryan Leslie. But uh, I'm wondering what people think. Is he capable of getting that? Uh, is he capable of getting to that level? Uh, it's really hard to squint and see uh, him being considered, you know, amongst that company. But a cup can change the way everybody's looked at. And I would, in that vein, I'd say Nazem Kadri. I mean, I don't, I think people look at him differently now that he's gone the distance and won the cup and was a huge contributor to that cup run in Colorado. Um, ask anyone in Toronto how they felt about him three, four years ago when he was a Leaf and ask them how they feel about him now. I think the whole league looks at him in much different light after winning a cup. So, yeah, that can change a guy's reputation pretty quickly. But uh, Rasmus Anderson played 27 minutes the other night. That's a career high. Had two assists, including one on the power play. And it's there on the power play that he looks so comfortable. And I think that's where, you know, this team really needed someone after Mark Giordano left to step up and be that guy, and he was that guy last year, and uh, and he continues to be that guy so far this year. He's got six points in five games, and um, I think Rasmus Anderson's looking extremely good, uh, you know, as they roll in, into this season. So uh, I want to also talk about the record the Calgary Flames have right now. Four and one, as I mentioned earlier, against juggernauts all. All the wins are against juggernauts. The one misstep was against... A Buffalo team like that looked like it was a juggernaut that night, uh, but to me is still a year or two away from making the playoffs. But boy, they have looked great coming out of the gate with that speed and size combination that I know Daryl Sutter cherished, and I think most fans cherish 
when you see guys like Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck, you know, basically having their way with the Calgary Flames, it's uh, it's pretty amazing uh, to you know to think about how good that team could be, especially with that blue line they have. But five on five, this team has accrued a four and one record against those teams, despite the fact that their top line has not got a single goal five on five. And I don't think anybody's too too worried. I don't think anyone should be too too worried, um, because the skill set we see from Huberdeau and the skill set we know that Elias Lindholm has. You know, the question mark is Tyler Toffoli. He's actually had the best start of the three of them so far with three goals. But I think you're at a situation where that top line, um, it's amazing that this team has been able to win those games without having the top line. Because think back to last year when it was the top line that was the best in the National Hockey League and carried the Calgary Flames for the bulk of, of many games. On random Tuesday nights against, say, Columbus, you knew that you could count on that line for three or four goals, or at least two or three. And uh, this year, I'm not sure they have a line that they can count on for that yet. But uh, I don't think anyone should be worried that eventually those guys will find chemistry or this coach will switch up some of the lines. Because I'll remind people, the question that Daryl Sutter asked going into the season was, we need to find out if Huberdo is a Cadre guy or a Lindholm guy. And right now, we don't know the answer to that question. I'm not going to give up on Elias Lindholm. He's a great player, and I think that we'll find chemistry. But it's just taking a little bit of time. All right, we have Ryan Leslie on the line right now. Uh, thanks for joining us, my friend. And I wanted to ask you right away about Rasmus Anderson and that uh, effort he had the other night. To me, it was symbolic of him. You know, he just he wants to be that guy. People didn't know if him or Uyghur were going to be the number one defenseman on this team this year. And when you see a guy kind of take the puck and the game in his hands and win it for them with that great rush, great pass, and that great evening, it kind of tells me that he he is hell-bent on being that number one defenseman this team. So I think it's great. You know, Eric, when we think back to his, uh, well, his progression in this league and – we watched him come in and there were some questions about fitness. You know, there were questions about this game and I think a lot of people saw the upside. Those following that draft knew exactly what type of player he could be and we're seeing it happen. And he's always had that, you know, ultra fiery competitive edge. I think we saw the upside. We've seen the trash talking it guys off their game. Um, but for to see him now and I, you probably talked about it and I know you did with me after that game about 27 and change for you know time on ice and and the way he some nights can just kind of take over he you know i'm not prepared to say he is the the number one dominant defenseman i I don't know as though they have that they have really good you know solid depth at that position and it's great to see him take over uh, on on any given night and you know the next night we might be talking about tanev certainly Uyghur. yeah noah hannafin who i think is uh, still, there's still more there this season for him to go, and I know he hasn't been feeling well, but there's just uh, there's just a lot to like about the core. And then when one guy steps up, we've seen him from when he was drafted to where he is now. There's no more questions about his fitness. There's no more questions about his game. Now it's just is this the question? Is you know, is tonight going to be the night he does something like we saw in overtime? It's fantastic to see. Just watching a young man grow into his game, his life, and it's all coming together for him. Yeah. And- I had a really interesting talk with Blake Coleman about that and asked, you know, do you see the possibility that Rasmus Anderson could get in that 
that group. Before we had you on the line, I was I was mm. rhyming off the list of, you know, Sutter always says, look at the the last 20 Stanley Cup yeah. winners, and there's yeah. always that stud. Can he join that group? And I said, can he be a headman? You know, because Coleman watched him up close for two years, and he kind of winced and said, listen, the reason why some guys become the top number one guy and play 28, 30 minutes a night is because a team can't count on that third pairing. So they play them so much, the top pairing, because they are trying to shelter that third trio. Well, in Calgary, there's no need to shelter the third trio. In fact, on some nights, the third trio can be the stars on this team. Mm-hmm. The blue liners. So I think that's part of it. We may not have to see a guy yeah. play 27. We may see, right? yeah, you're right. We may not see Sutter's theory uh, this time around prove correct. Like uh, he's, he's certainly bang on. You see that. And I don't know as always a headman, although, you know, you, you've heard those whispers. I, I don't know, you know, the size alone is, is the obvious, but yeah. um, I, it's interesting you talk to Blake Coleman about it. But uh, yeah, we may see that theory. Uh, I mean, who knows? There's so much. Uh, runway left in the season and so much to uh to dig into and unpack and i don't know i don't know if if one guy will be head and shoulders dominant uh the way you see other teams you'd certainly love to have that but i think you know this might just be as or more effective this time around knowing that uh that that they've got any one of those guys to be and really like when you look at championship teams too i mean you can look at you know, good clubs that have had this similar situation work for them. And I think this is what's what it's ultimately going to be is this sort of by committee, and uh, and hopefully on most given nights, Flames fans are are talking about is this the guy? Is this the guy? And I think yeah. they enjoy knowing that maybe that, that this script can be different every night. Exactly. Well, the script was interesting on Saturday again for the <laughs> third time in four starts. Markstrom allows the first shot on goal, mm-hmm. uh, but but yet bails himself out and has. What I think was are you concerned? Confidence. Like, are you worried about that? No. I, I'm not. I've heard the whispers, oh, but I, I don't know as though there's any real need for concern. Do you? I'm so glad you put it that way because I got almost angry when when Pat asked me on Friday about, are you know, should we be concerned? Has he had the great start? No, but it's been good enough for him to win all three starts he's had. Well, yeah. the one start he left and they lost against Buffalo, but he didn't get the loss. He's three zero and zero though officially. Either way, anyone who suggests that we should be concerned is is missing the point, and I and I get it. It's but he spoke the, to us after the game, Eric. You remember that? Admitted. I mean, he was just yeah. He he knows it's not where he'd like it to be, but I'm sure there's a lot of guys in that room who would tell you the same thing away from the cameras. Now, what I find fascinating is kind of what you're talking about when I joined you here is that they're still critical of their five on five game, and and I like that not from a standpoint of it's awful or we're not getting the results or whatever. They're four and one, and they're still, and you know, Daryl's letting them know um, about their five on five. They're certainly aware, and they're pretty forthcoming uh, with that being the focal point, and and I like that. Um, you're not hearing any of the deflections or you know, sort of typical sound bites and cliches. You're you're hearing some honesty about it, and and to a man, they're bringing it up, and yeah. and I think that's fascinating that that, that they're really. Uh, not only aware of it, but but open and candid about it. So, uh, I mean, that's something that they are working on. You saw it in practice today. Um, there's nobody who really probably feels great about their overall game. I don't think Markstrom's uh, any different. It's just that's a key position. Hey, he's still three and oh, and uh, and he still hasn't found it. So, all of this bodes really well. Five on five, or goaltending, or individuals still looking to play 
the game that they know that they can be chemistry or Lindholm, Uberdo or Kadri, whatever, who, whatever the pairings are going to look like. Everybody's still feeling like there's so much more, and I think that gives Flames fans a lot of optimism. Yeah, I, I would, I would argue, Ryan, that there is one, one player who's got to feel really, really good about his game. I think there are a handful of them, but I think Kadri has been by far their best player so far Agreed. this year, and as advertised. And you know, there was no assimilation, you know, process. Sure, I'm sure he'll build more and more chemistry with that line, but particularly with the special teams, which has really carried this team. You know, five games into the season, he's been spearheading that that power play, playing that bumper position, uh, which is kind of interesting. I don't think we've seen a lot of that so much in Calgary, where he plays right in the middle of the ice, and uh, it's been very effective. You'd agree that he's been he's been as advertised and maybe even better. Hands down, I was uh, chatting with Elliot Friedman uh, last night about uh, just this topic, and he's just. You know, he's going to work right away uh, with Daryl. You know, other players are probably going to have to get themselves wrapped around systems and style and, and everything that goes with a new coach and a new team. I don't think anybody has to worry about Nazem Kadri, uh, including Daryl Sutter. I like the, the way he's played on the ice. I love the way he's uh, conducted himself off the ice. He's the type of player, I think, too, that can uh, back up what he says. I think he can uh, be a voice in that room if the coach needs to hear uh, something from a player's perspective. I think he's the guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be intimidated by anything uh, or anyone. And I just think he's uh, he's as advertised and, like you said, maybe better. He's been their best player. He's been very consistent. He he's made others better around him. So I think you know as how many times have we heard in those media availabilities questions about chemistry with certain players you don't have to worry about that with him i mean it's up to speed and it's right where he needs to be and i think he's going to make his line mates better and it's all part of that you know eric we've talked in the past about a standard that has to be here i think he and huberto and others uh, help set that standard that has been that has been needed around here another standard above what has been done and i think they're going to assist with uh, that group getting there you know i know we're just five games in but I, I i think we came into the season my theory was that the eventual captain of this team will be either Kadri or huberto mm-hmm. and i think only five games that I, I it's not fair to judge but just based on the way he's carried himself um you know Kadri to me is the front runner i i really believe that i don't know what your thoughts are on that you know I would have said before this call that maybe Huberdeau is, um, but in thinking about everything that goes into the captaincy, everything we're talking about, certainly everything that goes on in that room, you may be right. Um, I would have said Huberdeau, but I think that could still happen. Uh, they're both here for a long time. They're both, mm-hmm. you know, great representation of what you want. One, you know, Nazem has has won the ultimate and paid the price and. There's a maturity to him um, that I think, you know, dogged him a little bit early on in his career, understandably so. Um, but we have seen we've seen some growth there. Again, five games in here, but what winning does for you, and you know, he was injured significantly, came back, uh, played, difference maker, hoisted that thing, and uh, I, I don't see you know that being anything but an excellent choice um, if and when they do come to that. I don't know if it's a topic. Um, and no. how many times last year did we say it has to happen organically? Improve? Well, I think we've, to a degree, it has now happened. I think you just got a little little bit of time and 
let it marinate for a little bit. Um, but I think it will happen, and it could be either one of those guys, and I don't think anybody would have a beef with, with that, inside the room or out. Yeah, yeah. It's the Eric Francis Show. We're talking to Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. Uh, we'll be doing the show tomorrow night. A pretty good team comes in from Pittsburgh. They're 4-0-1, and uh, it's all the old school boys are really lighting it up. Uh, Malkin's had a good start. He's healthy. Sidney Crosby's one of, I think, uh, six guys in the NHL who's in double digits already for points. Uh, we'll have Colby Armstrong on at the bottom of the hour to talk a little bit more about Pittsburgh. But before we get to him... I don't want to miss that. That will be good. you got to ask him about the Arm Dog Saloon. And that's when, uh, during the pandemic, when he'd FaceTime a bunch of people uh, real late, and we'd all, eight, ten of us, whatever, all in one. you got to ask him about the Arm Dog Saloon because he, he is an outrageously great personality. You know, obviously the Penguins are lucky to have him. We've had him at Sportsnet, and I just think he's a great storyteller. And be curious to not only hear his takes on uh, on the Penguins, but this guy's a big, big personality. He sure is, and I just got off the phone with him, and uh, he just cracks you up. Like you can talk to him for oh. three minutes and laugh ten times. Tell me, tell me, tell everybody about the Arm Dog Saloon. Your experience on the Arm Dog Saloon. I'll get him to talk about yeah, it a little bit he- more. But you you had a couple experiences on it. Oh, yeah. Like, he'd call. It'd be like, I don't know, one here, one in the morning here. And it'd be like three in the morning in Pittsburgh. and During the pandemic. During the pandemic. So nobody really knew what their next day looked like. And, you know, <laughs> we weren't hanging out with anybody at the time, as everyone is painfully aware. And uh, he would just conduct almost like a variety show. And everybody's having <laughs> cocktails and telling stories. I mean, personalities in and around the game. and just a buddy or whatever, a producer. Like, it was great. It was just hilarious to listen. I'd be curious, too. you got to ask him about when uh, Wit and Biz were uh, Badmouth and Sydney on the in-house arena uh, in Pittsburgh, just roasting Crosby on the mic. I, I, that was sensational. And he hung out with them and went to a football game with them. and uh, just, just great. I just think he's one of those lovable characters doesn't matter who you are, if you're in the game or around the game, just love the game. He's got time for you. I, I think he'll be a, a great guest, and certainly uh, we're lucky to have him. Yeah, we sure are here at Sportsnet. And so, yeah, he'll, he'll, he's uh, on a long drive right now. He went to <laughs> Buffalo to pick up his um, U.S. passport. He became a U.S. citizen just recently, and Whoa. he's going to tell that story. Whoa. That's pretty funny. He just told me how it went. Um and then, so he's got all the time in the world to tell stories, and uh, we love it when he does. He's been on this show several times before, and the stories uh, never stop. So uh, we'll have Colby at the bottom of the hour. So uh, tell tell me about one one last thing. What you know with the Flames? They're four and one. It's pretty obvious that you know the one loss was was a bit of a thud, probably a good mm-hmm. reminder for these guys. I actually think it was. Probably a good lesson for them early in the season to get a thumping like that at home against a team that you know they certainly they they probably took lightly. Um, generally speaking, how would you? I feel like they're very fortunate to have a record of four and one, considering the fact that five mm-hmm. on five they haven't been great. Their goaltending's been you know questionable at times, and they were the first to admit that. And 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 that the chemistry is not there on a lot of the lines. Tell, tell me how you you think we should well, characterize their start. Well, but remember this morning, it was Blake Coleman who said, okay, well, that's what we're talking about this part of the season. And down the road, we it might not, 5-on-5 five five might not be an issue, and we're talking about special teams. They pointed out to the special teams. They feel good about their special teams. That's great. So that's kind of what's carrying them a little bit. Um, but you're right. There's a feeling at 4-1, and one, like, 
I could point here, I could point there, and, and you know, not to suggest anybody's spoiled or not to suggest anybody's sort of, you know, not uh, enjoying this, but there are some areas you can point to. But the reality is, is I'll point to they have managed to beat, you know, three Western Conference powerhouses. They caught Colorado on a back-to-back who didn't get into bed till about four. They did what they had to do. They beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, the Avalanche retired team. They go up to Edmonton, full marks. You knew Edmonton was going to push. They did in the second, but they hung on to a lead with Dan Vladar between the pipes uh, while Markstrom wasn't feeling well. And so then, you know, you, you have the stumble uh, against Buffalo, who I, I think we're still talking about. Everybody around that game is still talking about how good Buffalo is going to be, how kind of good they are now and fast and big. And, yeah, they weren't ready. They are the first to admit that. But then you get that sort of greasy, not pretty. Then all of a sudden it got exciting near the end game against Carolina. And I think you got to say, okay, well, you might point to those examples you did. You still managed to get wins over Western Conference juggernauts. And 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 with Carolina, you'll gladly take I mean, there's people who think that's the Stanley Cup final, Carolina and Calgary, some people. Mm-hmm. Um You've done the job you've had to do, and what's great, I think, if you're Daryl and, and his staff, is there's still a lot of areas you can work towards, point to, and and drive home. And I think that's probably what a lot of coaches would want. You know, there's still teaching areas, and and as long as you're getting the results, that's one thing. As Daryl's always said, I'm impressed by W's, just wins. Um, yeah. But now he can still you know, keep the message strong to these guys as they look to improve the game. I, I don't know if there's any sort of panic in the way anybody's playing, and certainly you take the wins, but there's areas that uh, I've really been impressed by how they've kind of owned it and said, this isn't working, the 5-on-5 five five isn't working, or the goaltender says, I can be better. I like that. I like that honesty instead of just cliches. They're getting the wins, but they know there's more. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we'll let you go. I appreciate it. Uh, you'll be happy to know I was uh, back and forth with Rick Ball this morning. Uh, the musical guest. The hospital. Yes, yeah, he's, he's back home. from the hospital. He's uh, he's doing well. He's going to join us for the next week's show. Rick Ball. Is will, he? Uh, yeah, he's going to talk a little bit Good. about what he's just gone through and also uh, about the Flames. Of course, he's been watching them, even though he's kind of had some health yeah. challenges of late. But uh, our thoughts. You know, you got that guy. Uh, I'll tell you, and I, I think some people know, but. Rick Ball is a, an immense talent, not just as a broadcaster, but he plays keyboards. I've brought him. I, I've not hired him, but I've had him play like Christmas parties and stuff. Like the guy's a <laughs> talent, uh, and he's a big jazz guy. He loves music. He certainly is a big sports guy. He does a New York Times crossword puzzle every day. He's a he is a fascinating guy, and he himself had a very successful radio show on the West Coast and. You know, he is just brilliant on so many levels, and it lends itself to the broadcast. So I'm glad he's uh, home. We all are, and we're glad he's feeling better. And and uh, that'll be a good guest as well uh, to have him on. You can go a lot of different places with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, He's a great man, and we're, we're happy he's back home now. So, mm-hmm. hey, Ryan, thanks, my man. We'll see you uh, for the broadcast tomorrow night, and uh, yep. appreciate your insights. Enjoy the Arm Dog Saloon. We'll talk. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All right, it's the York Francis Show. It's brought to you. By Horse Racing Alberta, the Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit horses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. We'll take a break, and we'll be back with the arm dog, Colby Armstrong, right here on Sportsnet 960. Sportsnet 960, the fan. And the originator of the arm dog soon, of course, is your purveyor of fine stories and spirits. 
uh, Colby Armstrong. Colby, do we have you on the line, my friend? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, the Arm Dog Saloon is a legit thing. Saved it saved COVID, buddy. <laughs> Tell me how it started. Come on. Organically, I'm uh, sure. actually it yeah, just like what we would all do when we were all kinda locked down initially off the start, just FaceTiming some friends and we all kinda did that, right? That's what we did. Sat in the kitchen and hung out and got on FaceTime and had a couple cocktails with our buddies. It's all we could do at the time. So I didn't know actually on FaceTime, you can like, you can do like a full out party. You can do a full out party on there. You can call like 40 people or so. It's insane. And I'd call someone and then you can go on there and you can like go into the phone call and then add another person. So you can just keep adding people and I mean, I'd have just my buddies on there to Olympians, to comedians, to uh, media people. It was awesome. And it just got rocking to the point where I was getting, like, text and my phone be blowing up all the time. Like, saloon tonight, saloon. Let's go. Let's get the saloon. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm too hungover to do another saloon. This thing is out of order for a little bit. We had too many people. We were over capacity last night. Someone... Someone made a mess in the bathroom. All right, we got to close it down for the night just so I could regain again. But the yeah, the saloon was hot for a while there, Eric. It was it was bumping, that and we had amazing. a lot of fun on there. And I actually got to meet a lot of really cool people on there because some of my other friends or other people would add someone else. Yeah, it was incredible. It was just like a chain that just kept growing, and uh... and I'll tell you this: if I could share this, the best saloon people that we would get is we'd call another person to add them and say there's like already 20 people and the thing with the FaceTime is once you add them it, as they're talking they will swirl like they'll swirl around to like the top it's really crazy it actually not great while you're drinking but um, the best was we'd add somebody and we'd all wait for them to see if they'd answer sometimes late at night and a lot of people quite a few people were in bed but what got up out of bed to grab a drink and join us on the saloon, which was like the best one. Those those were the best. And a huge cheer would go up, I'm sure, from the group. Yeah, oh we, yeah, we got another. Oh one. yeah, it was awesome. That's amazing. That sounds like a a late night TV show waiting to happen. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> pretty much it was great idea. Pretty much it was. Yeah. So I named it the Arm Dog Saloon, and I think there's a show there somewhere for it, isn't there? I think there is. Like, you need more work. How, how, so, first of all, just to <laughs> take people behind the curtain. You're driving from Buffalo. You drove into Buffalo to get your U.S. passport today. You're driving back to Pittsburgh, about a three-hour drive. And uh, yeah. and and you and you did that so that you can continue working for Sportsnet. Tell, tell me about all the other gigs you have right now. And then I want to also get into your citizenship ceremony because I want to know how that went. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was awesome. I'll get to that. Yeah, but that's the reason why I got the uh, got my American. I can travel freely again, but uh, obviously the hockey season started up, so I'm going again. But I've got yeah, Rogers digital side, just doing interviews and branded content. You might have seen me on a few hits, such as me hanging out with on the bench guys shoot, shooting Nerf blasters around with my kids. Uh, fun stuff like that anywhere to like features and interviews and doing media days and getting face to face with some of the players, which has been a lot better. I'm sure for you, even I know the media yeah. here in Pittsburgh is, is thrilled to be back in the room and, mm -hmm. you know, have that interaction with the players. I actually met some of the players for the first time. Some of the penguins 
Wow. I, I met. I wasn't in the bubble, so like I was just a guy, you know, go to games, go in the press box, and then go home. So I actually got to meet some of the players here this year for the for like, hi, Denton, hi, nice to meet you. You know, I met Brandon Tanev at a wedding for the first time this summer. He came back for a friend of his that got married. I was at the wedding as well. I'd never met him when he played here. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. Isn't that wild? So yeah. I've got that face-to-face stuff going on again, which is which is really good, and, and working here locally and regionally for the for the Penguins. And then I just signed on with uh, with Spit and Chicklets to do a podcast with them underneath the Spit and Chicklets uh, brand and podcast that's going to start up here in the next week, two weeks. I think we're going to come up with our first one with Matt Murley, ex, ex-teammate of mine. Amazing. So just the two of you, what's it going to be called? Chicklets, etc., is the name of it, and it's just uh, kind of a broader, wider look at the at the league. Um, and we have some nice bits and different things worked in there, where we're going to look uh, at Europe a little bit, maybe some beer league chatter, a little look at the minor leagues, maybe North American players that are doing well overseas as well. So we've got a little bit of a wide range of topics and looks, and um, just kind of a looser, looser look at, at the NHL month to month because we're only doing one show a month with it, so it's kind of okay. just more, more broad and open. My God, that'll be a huge hit. Okay, so look for that, people, wherever you get your podcast. That'll be uh, Chicklets, etc. That sounds fun and right up your alley. Okay, you became yeah. a U.S. citizen. <laughs> Tell me what that entails. Yeah. They, what they hand you a gun and they Whoa. say congratulations. How does it work? <laughs> Not quite, but. Uh, no, it was good. I had a green card forever and have been living now in Pittsburgh for seven years or so, I believe. Um, and married a girl from Wilkesbury where I played in the minors. So we're back here in Pittsburgh now and have four kids. So I was like, I gotta, I should just, you know, do this and become a citizen. My brother actually did it about two months ago. And so I kind of got in line to get the process going as well. And everything kind of, I got it on a Thursday, which was the Penguins' home opener against Arizona. I had to go in and do an oral exam, which consists of basic uh, U.S. history and civics um, that I think most people would know by the time they're in eighth grade or ninth grade or something like that, I would assume. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, of course, you know, it's been a long time for a lot of the people in there. And, uh, you know, so I had to brush up on all these questions with flashcards and study and understand all how this works. So out of a hundred questions, they boil it down to 10 random questions and you pretty much have to only get six right. So I got all six right right off the bat. Nice. My legs were shaking though. My legs were shaking before I went in. I was like, for some reason, oddly, like really nervous, like not really performance anxiety like we probably all get whether it's a big game or a big show or getting ready to do something it was it was like different nerves it was like in my bones it was it was crazy uh and then and then you get sworn in right after so because of you know covid and they didn't allow families in there so it was pretty much 50 of us that that were in the ceremony and you go into this room and you get sworn in as an american citizen and and take an oath and everyone gets handed a certificate of of citizenship and you should have seen the like it was actually emotional feeling i didn't know what kind of how it would feel or what it would be like but you know people from all different backgrounds and countries and some probably had easier uh way of becoming a citizen than others maybe a lot more difficult and you know to see generally and all the you know crap that and you know it can go in canada and the u.s that we've been through over the last years and 
maybe people go, this place sucks or something. But to see these people that like did everything they could to, to become citizens and be a part of that ceremony was actually pretty moving. It was, it was so nice to see how happy everyone was generally happy, like right to tears and stuff. And we're all helping each other take pictures and, I didn't know anyone. It was crazy. So it was a really cool experience. So now I had to get my passport. I had to get my passport. So the only place you can go to uh, pretty much on the eastern side of the States to get an expedited passport is Buffalo. So I had to set up a quick setup and drove all the way to Buffalo, got it. Now I'm on my way home. So I can, I can get back to work up in Toronto or Canada or wherever I have to go for Rogers. Good. Well, we look forward to seeing you on the Rogers uh, broadcasts and, uh, and, and, and I like the way they use you a lot with the players because you've got such a great rapport with the players and it's, it's different. Nobody Thanks, else can buddy. do it quite like you. And, uh, so we're, we're thrilled that you're still, still on board with us. Okay. I want to ask you because you live in Pittsburgh about Berkey. Uh, we're doing a, um, yeah. we're, we're doing a hot stove with Berkey and tree living and Sutter, uh, on Wednesday and it sold out. I, I, I actually hadn't announced that yet. It's officially a sellout and we had done one of these. Early or last year or the year before, with, when Berkey was here, and uh, we did it at the Beltliner, which is a restaurant which I used to own here in town. And I remember we stayed so late afterwards that as we were, <laughs> as I poured Berkey into a cab, it was about five in the morning. Yeah. The the people were delivering the morning bread to our to our uh, <laughs> yeah. restaurant. And I'd never, I had never thought I'd ever run into them as I was leaving the bar. Um, you must have spent, have you spent any time with Berkey since he's got to Pittsburgh or no? Uh, not too much. He did do a live show kind of probably similar to what you're doing with him when he's back in town, but he'll sure sell a ticket. And I can imagine seeing you pouring him into a cab late night, early morning. I bet you his hair wasn't out of place. He's got that slick look just locked in tight, doesn't he? Locked slick tight. right back. Mm-hmm. The silver fox, he's got it going with the slick back. But, uh, yeah, he's great at that stuff, right? He's great with sponsors. He's a good storyteller. He's got great lines and uh, a lifetime in hockey and stories. So I, I imagine he does that. He's done that really, been a really big hit with, with fans for a long time with that. But I haven't seen too much of him other than up in the press box or a few little random sponsorship events just around town. But I know he lives downtown pretty much in Pittsburgh and has got right into the heart and soul of the city right down there and, uh, has I think become fairly comfortable in, in living here and Pittsburgh's a smaller downtown it's uh, you know pretty spread out not very big place so I'm sure he finds it to be a very comfortable place to live and hunting hunting's big down here too much like in Alberta too Eric so I think yeah. he's fairly comfortable in that kind of that kind of setting and lifestyle and and, and the way of life here yeah I think you're you're probably right he's certainly I think he's a chameleon he could go anywhere and, and fit right in uh, telling his the same 12 stories he rotates uh, rather generously. I'm looking Boy, forward to hearing all 12. I'm hoping he adds a 13th one this year. I really am. After I read his book, I called him and I said, "Could you? would it have killed you to add one new story I hadn't heard already? But uh, he'll be great. I, I wonder who you think will tell the best stories. Will it be Daryl Sutter, Berkey, or Brad Treliving at this thing on Wednesday? Who do you think? Well, I think definitely Tree will have more of the personality where, you know, the wide-ranging ups and downs and possible laughter, so, you know, and I think with, with Berkey and Sutsi, will be more deadpan delivery, as they always do, the <laughs> gruff, the more gruff style yeah. uh, of those two, old-school hockey guys. 
I love it. He's Colby Armstrong. I'm Eric Francis. It's the Eric Francis Show. We do it every Monday at 1 o'clock, and uh, it's all about the stories. So I want to ask you about uh, about the Penguins, who are coming into Calgary tomorrow. Of course, tonight everyone will be able to see them on Sportsnet. Connor versus Sid, part, I think, 10. Yeah. I think it's the 10th chapter. But uh, either way, tell me about Sid. Do you still spend any time with him? I know you guys go way back to when you were teammates, and I know you're friends, but do, do you still are you still able to spend any time with him, or is his time in such demand? Yeah, he's pretty, I would say, just low-key. I, and I think when his time's in demand, he appreciates the downtime because he still is doing some stuff. I got to be a part of his, I don't know if you heard his podcast series of the rookie season that came out, uh, I believe it was last year, kind yeah. of mid-season. Um, was a part of that and spent several hours with him doing the interviews. So I was lucky where he said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll get this thing started because he's, he's kind of a guy that, you know, those kind of things, he'll just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And, oh, I got hockey. Oh, I got hockey. Oh, no, no, now, now it's the summer. I'm going home. And so we finally got him locked in and locked into some time where I spent lots of hours just reminiscing about, you know, his rookie season and our time together and our teams at those times. And it was great to do that and just kind of sit sit down for hours. We just did hours of, of, of sound with him and me just talking to him. But I uh, got to golf with him this summer. Um, but yeah, he is, he is, I would say more so just a low key, always been kind of a low key guy where he's, he's just, I think pretty much a, a homebody. He likes to be at home and, and quiet when he gets quiet. I used to always wonder that too and give him, he always, he's always been like that. When I used to, when we were roommates on the road, I'd come in and he'd be, I come into the room and like, I need background sound. I'm like a chaotic brain kind of guy. And like, I, I come in and he's like sitting there like stretching in his bed with the TV off and no sound in the room. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, how do you not have the TV at least on? I don't care if you're watching it like for some background. That's just like weird. That's weird to me, right? So like he's always kind of just been that guy that needs a quiet time, I guess. You told that great story last time I had you on about you coming home well after curfew, him being your your roommate in Pittsburgh, (laughs) and you snuck him, didn't it? Was it a cheeseburger? And you ate in the bathroom yeah, together? You got anything? You got anything for me, bud? Pretty <laughs> <laughs> he poked his head in the bathroom, but I was eating my McDonald's. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> that is a great one. Oh my God! Okay, who was the who was the U.S. president when nine eleven happened? George W. Bush. Yeah, that wasn't one of the questions, but oh, okay. I just wanted to. I'll give you this one. Let me ask you this one: Who is who is the president during World War One of the United States? Hoover? No, Woodrow Wilson. Who was the president of World War during World War Two? Well, that was uh, uh, was it Eisenhower? No, no. Came in after. I, I just, I just was at the Churchill Museum in London, and they they talk about uh, who he was always talking to. I give up. I'm not trying he to become like a U.S. A, he has a letter. No, I know, but it, these are the kind of questions I had to like know. So it was like. It was FDR Roosevelt. FDR, so I had to yes. know like all of these. Uh, I had to know all these kind of questions and different time periods and different things with the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and different things like that. And Amazing. it was uh, Declaration of Independence. What was that? And when did it happen? And who did it? And all this stuff. So it was. It was. It was a good history lesson for me. That's for sure. That is. That is. Good. You know, when I was eighteen, my mother's American, and when I was eighteen, if I wanted to keep my U.S. passport, I had to enlist in the reserve. And I had to drive down to Buffalo to do it. And 
I'll, I'll, I would say that that's the most serious building I've ever been in in my life. I'm sure it was the same building. I couldn't you imagine. Were. And and I had to sign up and be on the reserve. I I, I, since, I don't know. I don't have my passport anymore for the U.S. I, uh, but uh, <laughs> I do I do remember that that was one very serious, very terrifying day of my life. It was like, well, if you want to keep your passport, yeah. you got to do this. And uh, my mom tells me the other day that I'm still considered on the reserves, but <laughs> the. <laughs> I'd have to be the last guy on the list they'd pick if they ever needed some help. Uh, I'll tell you that. Eric Francis, we want you. We w- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that the, the poster? Isn't that yeah. the poster? I don't know. Not happening. Not happening. I'll be <laughs> over here. That, and that's why I'm a Canadian citizen. They wanted my father, who was dating my mother at the time. Uh, this was during uh, yeah. during Vietnam. And he was from England. And he was just visiting. And they said, well, if you want to stay, you got to go to Vietnam. And he's like, hmm. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun for me. I'm going to go to Canada. Thank you very much. So I'm a Canadian because go. of the Vietnam the Vietnam War. So, um, okay, I, I want to ask you about the current team. Uh, Gensel, I see that he's injured. Does that look serious, or is this yeah. a day to day thing? Uh, well, he took him on the road trip. I know. So okay, I don't know. I I'm unsure totally of the outcome of it. He did get hit in the head with a puck in the ear, and I know I the first thing I thought of the next day when I, when my brain was like putting it all together and we saw that he would not be playing was I was thinking of Brian Little, my ex-teammate in Atlanta who did get hit in the head with in the ear with a puck in, in Winnipeg, right? And how that kind of derailed him and injured him and had pushed him into retirement with that injury. So uh, scary, I think a thing, I think a thing is scary as you never know. And I'm surprised yeah. it probably doesn't happen more, but um, obviously he's had a great start to the season. Him and Sid have been, playing really well as he missed last game against Columbus and uh, Penguins still came and put up six goals and a 6-3 win against them and just keep rolling so um, I'm not sure on the total day-to-day look at Gensel but when you miss a player of his caliber I mean it's a it's a big knock so um, they're lucky they have some versatility and depth though and Danton Heinen stepped up and got two goals last night playing with Sid too so there yeah, you go. I was going to say, Dan Hine, that's a surprising name for a lot of people. Certainly everybody in a pool is like, wait a second, this guy's still in the yeah. league. He's, <laughs> I didn't know he was in Pittsburgh, and now he's playing with Sid with Gensel out. But uh, he, he's obviously fit in pretty well. Yeah, a good year last year for him. And then I think he just like on a million-dollar deal to come back. And, um, you know, he's a, a strong third line kind of player for them I think is where ultimately they'd like to have him but he's reliable and strong he can put up points and plays a pretty good game but he also has some versatility up and down the lineup which I think it makes him even more valuable and I also I think his contract makes him really valuable as well when you got a player like that that's making only a million dollars so he's uh he's now become super valuable without Gensel and moving into that position and uh, a guy that can make plays still and you know Sid I know everyone talks about playing with good players and I'm sure it's the same with, you know, certain skill guys, even Huberto and in, in now in, in Calgary and playing with him and what works and what doesn't work and how to play with those guys. But he's, you know, you mentioned Berkey like a chameleon. I guess Dan Heinen's kind of got that ability to his game as well, which, which you know, is a good guy to have around in your lineup. Absolutely. Okay, and I want to ask you about Phil Kessel because you know Phil really well and, 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 and he's about to tie that record Keith Yandel's yeah, Iron Man record, 13 years. Um, there are some people who will tell you 
Well, yeah, you get to play 13 years and never miss a game by not being that involved in the game. I, I will say that I do think Kessel has uh, an incredible ability to be a chameleon as well and just disappear into the background on some nights. Uh, yeah, I guess a lot he's of players really great say. at it. Yeah. <laughs> but well, what about... He's really great at it, though. Like, So tell me about that. Like, Is this an impressive stat to you as a former player? Well, I think for me, what was what was awesome in seeing him when he came to the Penguins and being kind of the the face of Toronto Maple Leafs, and I played with him there in Toronto, and you know the expectation, and uh, I think what when he came to Pittsburgh, I think it was like just like perfect for him, like the perfect mm-hmm. storm, if you will, for him to you know ride in the back seat with Malkin and Crosby, who gained most of the attention. He had great years as a Penguin on their way to Stanley Cups. Um, to do his thing so talk about like blending into the background that was like I think that's where maybe he's like a little more comfortable as a player yeah. um, just in general I think producing and, and being kind of the looked upon secondary kind of guy but he can still put up unbelievable numbers and points and score goals and you know his explosive skating and everything that he can do so um, I think that that was a really good fit for him and you know I think anytime you play well, when's the last time he missed a game? Was it when he was playing for Toronto and got hit by Matthias Oland, I believe? Is that, is yeah. that last time he hurt his shoulder, I think? Mm-hmm. So he's got an incredibly long years. time for a guy that, yeah, a guy that possesses the puck a lot. Um, he's played through a couple different, I guess, eras of hockey with, you know, some of the more bigger bruising brand of hockey and, and made his way through there as, as a speed skill point producer guy. Um, and look, I mean, look through time and generations of, of hockey of players that are in his category of kind of skill, speed. Like, I'm not, he doesn't go out of his way to get into physical confrontations or make a body check, but still, you're playing in hockey, and, you know, hockey's a fast game, and anything can happen at any given time. So for him to be like a mainstay kind of name and producer and be able to have the puck on his stick as much as he does and play with as much speed as he does and still have, uh, you know, been able to hold up and play this long is an incredible milestone. I guess it just makes me think of Cogliano too, who was tracking for that when he got suspended um, and how hard it is and how gut, gut wrenching it was for him to, you know, lose, lose that Ironman streak. Of course, Brian, yet our, uh, Yandel has it now and um, a situation where this is, you know, a number that I don't think any of us thought anyone would touch for sure. But here's Phil Kessel still going, still going strong and and uh, avoiding missing any time at all is, is amazing. It is. It is quite amazing. So, yeah, congratulations to him tonight. He ties the record. Uh, listen, Colby, thanks so much. Always great catching up with you. Good luck with uh, Chicklets, et cetera. We'll be looking for that uh, wherever we get our podcasts, and uh, we'll hope to have you on again real soon, my friend. Thank you, and enjoy the ride back to Pittsburgh. All right. Yeah, thanks. appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Okay. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. All right, there he is, Colby Armstrong, one of the great storytellers in the game today. We're lucky to have him on Sportsnet. Uh, so many different venues for him uh, to, to have his personality out there and help grow the game. This is the kind of guy we need more of. Uh, and it's awesome to have him on the show. So we uh, thank him for his time. And uh, I thank you for listening as well. It's the Eric Francis Show. It goes every single Monday here on Sports at 960, The Fan. And it's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. 
Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. We'll have Rick Ball on next week and another special guest. And uh, tickets still available to the Pizza Pig Out Thursday at Cowboys. Go to ericfrancispizzapigout.com and support uh, Kids Sport Calgary because it's a great, great, uh, great, great uh, organization. Okay, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>